Good morning, everyone. I invite you to stand up as we worship this morning. And hello to all those watching from home. You can stand as well if you'd like or stay seated in your chair as we sing. Uh, let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, God, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Lord God, we offer up this time to you. Please have your way. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now be the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out you're working all things out yes I will lift you high in the lowest valley yes I will bless your name When my heart is heavy all my days, oh yes I will. I count on one thing, I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. heavy all my days. Oh yes, I will for all my days. Oh yes, I will. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names that nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of Name of all names 
But I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Sing, Lord, I come, I confess. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. sin runs deep your grace is more what grace is found is where you are and where you are Lord I am free holiness is Christ in me and where you are Lord I am free Holiness is Christ in me. comes my way and when I cannot stand or fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay and when I cannot stand or fall on you Jesus you're my hope and stay Lord I
me be as gold and precious silver purify my heart let me be as gold pure gold refiner's fire my heart's one desire is to be
in me have your Jesus in me. Light of the world, you step down into darkness open my eyes let me see beauty that made this heart adore you hope of a life spent with you so here I am to worship here I am to bow down here I am to say that you're my God you're all together lovely all together worthy all together wonderful to me King of all days oh so highly exalted Glorious in heaven above Humbly you came to the earth you created All for love's sake became poor So here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I say that you're my God you're all together lovely all together worthy all together wonderful to me so here I am to worship here I am to bow down here I am to say that you're my you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Yes, Lord God, you are good. You are good. God, please help us to trust in you. No matter what goes on out there, no matter what you allow, we have to trust that you are good. Please help us to always follow you, and if we steer off the, the course, Lord God, please bring us back. 
like we sang a few moments ago. Lord, we need you. We cannot do this alone. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your help, your forgiveness, your love. Lord God, please strengthen us for what you want us to do, what you call us to do in our day-to-day -day lives when we're home, at work, wherever we are. Please help us to do your will. Have your way in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our families, in our world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Actually, you can be seated for now. Oh, <laughs> we'll get back sorry. to that in a minute. Yeah, sorry, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Luke. Good morning. Great to see you all this morning. Glad to have you here and be a part of our service today. And for those of you who uh, may be watching from elsewhere, we're delighted that you're joining with us as well. I just want to make a couple of announcements this morning before our kids head out. I just want to say it's great to have all of you here and to be able to meet at capacity this morning. Uh, we are excited that as of this week, capacity will be increasing to 25% so that next Sunday uh, we can, uh, there can be a lot more of us here. So I just want to encourage you uh, to register. Registration will open for next week's service tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. and we'll close on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. as well. So just want to uh, just remind you of that. You know, last week was so great when we were able to, at the end of the service, after the Father's Day service, just to gather on the, uh, the parking lot for a few moments and to, um, you know, to, to share in, in some, uh, some treats. And, and uh, people were just hanging around, spaced out, obeying all the uh, physical distancing rules, but, but just it really enjoying each other's company. And it just reminded us once again of how important these moments of community building are in light of what we've all been through in the last 15, 16 months. So uh, we're going to be doing some intentional things over the summer to uh, give you an opportunity to connect after the service outside, weather permitting. So just to let you know that next Sunday... After the service, there's actually going to be an ice cream truck waiting for you when, you're, when you go out. And all of those who are in the service uh, will be, um, will be uh, eligible just to get a free ice cream. And uh, if you want to social distance and visit with one another for a few moments before you leave, then uh, we just encourage you to do that. So we're going to do that uh, next Sunday. We're not trying to bribe you to come to church. We're just trying to uh, create moments of... Uh, of, um, of community and interaction with each other, which is so important right now. I'm also really excited to announce to you that we have an opportunity uh, in the next couple of weeks to uh, come alongside some Indigenous children in Northern Ontario and help them with back-to-school supplies. And so Evangel has taken on a project where we will provide back-to-school backpacks, which include lunch bags and water bottles and all the school supplies for 25 Indigenous kindergarten girls. And uh, we are going to give you the opportunity to, we are giving you the opportunity to sponsor uh, and be a part of that program. And so if you would like to sponsor a backpack, it's $50, that's what it costs to fill it. 
and, and to buy it. And so we will, the missions committee will be purchasing all the supplies. They'll be putting them all together and having them ready in a couple of weeks to go north. But uh, if you would like to be a part of that by sponsoring, then you can do that in a couple of ways. You can put your money in an envelope and just write backpacks on the envelope and leave it as you exit or as you come in next week. Uh, you can e-transfer the money and just in the message line put backpacks. If you want to mail it, uh, drop it off at the office, whichever you want to do. But just encourage you to, to be a part of that. It's a great opportunity for us to do something very positive and, uh, and helpful, especially in the day that we're living in and what's happening in our country, which we'll pray about later in our service today. So just want to remind you of those things. Also, just want to say, kids, you are now free to go. If you just go around the back, that would be great. And um, so um, I've just seen the way some of you have wheels on your sneakers, and I can just see where that potentially is going at some point. So if you could go around the back and out, that would be, that would be excellent. In terms of offering, each week when you come in, obviously we're not passing plates right now, but if you do, if you would like to contribute to offering, which we hope you would, uh, there is a plate on your way in and also on the way out and also e-transfer, mail, drop off, whatever you want to do. We thank you for your continued uh, giving in, in that regard. Well, let's, uh, let's get started. Three years ago, Jennifer and I traveled to St. John's, Newfoundland, where we had previously spent 12 years um, in ministry. And it was our 30th anniversary, so even though we had lived there for so long, we approached the trip like tourists. And so one of the things on our long list of must-dos was to watch the sunrise at Cape Spear, which is about a 20-minute drive from the city of St. John's. Cape Spear is the most easterly point in North America. So watching the sunrise at Cape Spear means that you are the first in North America to see it. And so around 5 a.m. in the morning, we were standing on the cliff at the edge of the North American continent as the first golden rays of morning light appeared on the horizon. Now, while the colors of the sunrise are magnificent, if you've ever had the opportunity to see a sunrise, and I'm sure most of you have, um, you know, the colors are magnificent to take in. But for me personally, what makes a sunrise special is the symbolism in the sunrise, the reminder that it's, it's a new day. There's, there's new opportunities before us. The darkness of night that engulfed, you know, everything, engulfed all of us. And then suddenly in these few moments, the, the darkness begins to break and the light of a new day brings hope and promise to us. Today we are continuing our series, which we've entitled Christ-Centered Community, that we'll be following through the summer based on the writings of 1 John. And today we're going to be considering 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 to chapter 2, verse 2. So would you stand with me briefly this morning as, I, as we read the Word of God together today? This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. You may be seated. Our passage today begins with the words, this message we have heard from him, him being Jesus. And the message is this, God is light, and in, in, in him there is no darkness at all. Now, light and darkness were common themes in both Jewish and Greek culture, so the author is writing with both of these groups in mind. Darkness was symbolic of lies, evil, and death. Light was symbolic of truth, knowledge, and life. Since God is light, truth, knowledge, and life flow from him. And we know as we read scripture that Jesus is the light of God revealed to us. In John chapter 8, verse 12, you know, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Paul in Ephesians 5, 8 says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have, sorry, you, now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. And so these ideas of lightness and darkness, of Jesus being the light, are just permeated through Scripture. And so we will see today as we engage this Scripture that when we experience the light of God in our lives, the darkness of sin is dispelled and we experience the hope of a relationship with Jesus that inevitably results in relationship with one another. Now, as we look at this passage today, we're going to see that there are three major themes, three significant themes that are found in this passage, and I want to very briefly explore them this morning. The first theme is fellowship. Now, the theme of fellowship was included in the scripture that we considered in the first week of this series, and we said that fellowship means partnership or relationship with God through Jesus Christ that results in relationship with others in the church community. Now, one of the problems in this particular church community was people who claimed to have fellowship with God but still walked in darkness. They were living dual lives. And so what we see here is that some believed that they would be that they could be in right relationship with God, but they could behave in a way that did not reflect God in their lives and still be okay with that. They had separated their behavior 
from their beliefs. And so the author reminded them that God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. And so fellowship with God, relationship with God, was not possible if they were continuing to live sinful lives, living in the dark. In fact, he calls them liars. Strong word, I know. For claiming to be in fellowship with God while willfully continuing to live in sin. He says, you're deceiving yourselves. You are lying to yourselves because sin and God are mutually exclusive. And so not only were their lifestyles affecting their relationship with God, it was affecting their relationship with each other. And so the unity of this church community was falling apart because people were claiming to walk in the light while continuing to willfully sin, and it was affecting not only their relationship with God, but by default, their relationship with one another. And so the author is reminding them right from the beginning here that it is Jesus, Jesus' death, the blood of Jesus that made fellowship with God and others possible because God is light and light brings fellowship. The second theme we see is the theme of truth. If you were to read through the, the whole book of 1 John, you would note that the word truth is found nine times. And truth in, meant different things to different people at this time. In the Greek world, truth was linked to intellect, to logical thinking, to arguments, to philosophy. In the Jewish world, link, truth was linked to loyalty and faithfulness to carrying out the letter of the law. But in Christianity, truth is a person. In Christianity, truth is a person. It's not, a, it's not an idea. It's not knowledge. It's not action. It's a person. And the person that represents truth, who is truth, is Jesus. You receive truth when you receive Jesus. You enter into truth when you enter into a relationship with Jesus. So some coming from Greek backgrounds believe that any sinful acts that they committed would not make them sinful people. They separated the spiritual from the physical, and they believed that one did not have any impact on the other whatsoever. They didn't think that they needed Jesus to purify their sins because they were fine. They were fine. They had no need of Jesus to take their sins. Now, others in this church community emphasize keeping the laws as a means of relationship with God while rejecting the truth of Jesus, that Jesus was the light sent from God into this world. They didn't need Jesus. They just needed religious ritual. As long as they were carrying out the laws and fulfilling their religious rituals, they had no need for Jesus. Neither group believed they were sinning. And so the author is addressing this issue head on by telling them that if they say you have no sin because you're fulfilling the law or because one doesn't have any impact on the other, if you say that, you're deceiving yourselves and the truth, truth which is Jesus, does not dwell in you. You do not have the truth in you. You do not have 
relationship with Jesus. By claiming that they had no need of Jesus, they were contradicting what God said. And God said they did need Jesus for salvation. salvation. And so he's saying by, dis, by denying Jesus, what you're doing is you're making a mockery of the gospel. And in essence, you're calling God a liar because God is clearly saying you need Jesus and you're saying you do not. The third theme that we see here is the theme of advocate. The final section of this passage takes on a very different tone. It takes on a pastoral tone. And, and he says these words, my dear children. The ultimate desire of the writer was to help those who were under his care see the error in their thinking and in their lifestyles. Sin was their enemy. Sin would remove them from the light. Sin would prevent them from having relationship with God. Sin was destroying fellowship within their church community with one another. And so the reality was they were sinning and they will sin again in the future despite the claims that they were sinless. And so the author was calling them to confession, to acknowledge their wrongdoing and seek forgiveness. And he said if they acknowledge their sin, if they confess their sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive their sin. Now, faithful refers to God's promises. God always keeps his promises. And if God says he will forgive, confess sin, he will. So if they confess their sin, they are guaranteed based on the promises of God that God will forgive them. And he says because God is not just Faithful, but just. Referring to God's justice and mercy. That God would release the debt of the sin in their lives and change them, purify them, make them spiritually clean, take the darkness from their lives and, and shine in the light by removing the guilt and the shame and the stain of their sin. The language here is not of a one time event, but a continuous, ongoing reality. Any sin sincerely confessed will be forgiven. And so the author states that there is an advocate who pleads their case before the Father. And the advocate is Jesus. Now the word advocate is a legal term, and it means to Call to one side so that you can speak on behalf of the accused. And it appears here in 1 John, but it also appears in one other place in the Gospel of John. And so in John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about his soon coming departure, and he said this to them. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I, go, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. In the Gospel of John 16.7, in this whole section, the advocate, or some translations, the comforter, uh, is the Holy Spirit. It's referencing the Holy Spirit. The advocate in John's gospel is the Holy Spirit. And 
it references the Holy Spirit's work, his work in the world. And so Jesus is, is helping his disciples feel comfortable that, yes, I'm leaving, but if I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's going to come alongside you, and he is going to speak on your behalf, and ultimately, he's going to work with you in this world, and his role of coming alongside you is to help you to overcome the opposition of carrying out the mission of Jesus in his absence. And so we see this idea of advocate in John's gospel in reference to the Holy Spirit, in reference to helping the followers of Jesus continue on in his, in his absence. In 1 John, the, ad, the advocate referenced is Jesus. And his work is with the Father, interceding between man and God. And so it's, you know, it's this beautiful idea that Jesus has paid the price for all the sins that we've ever committed and all the sins that we will ever commit and that he is with the Father and he comes alongside those of us who have sinned and speaks on our behalf before the Father so that they, we might experience forgiveness. I mean, what a beautiful picture that is. Can you imagine that there are moments for some of us, probably a lot of moments, where Jesus is interceding to the Father on our behalf because of the sins that we've committed. But he says, not just the sins of those in the church community, but the sins of the whole world. Our scripture today, I think, emphasizes a few important things for us as we take what this writer wrote to that church in their context, in their situation, and we apply it to us here in this moment, in this church community, in our time. And there's some timeless truths here that we need to be reminded of, I believe. And the first is consistency is important. Consistency is important. What we believe and how we behave must be consistent. Our lives must daily reflect what we claim to hold as core truth. Our lives must daily show Jesus to the world around us. Without words ever being spoken, our lives should show the world Jesus in us. As followers of Jesus, we are called to live like Jesus lived. We are called to love like Jesus loved. We are called to demonstrate what Jesus taught us to demonstrate. Jesus reminded us that there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for another. And he is the ultimate example of, humili of humility and selfless sacrifice that we follow in this regard. Laying down our lives for others. Jesus taught us to put the concerns of others above our own. Jesus taught us that there's no such thing as greater or lesser sins, that sin is sin and sin is destructive whether we admit that we're sinful or not. Jesus taught us to see the plank in our own eye 
before we point out the speck in someone else's. Jesus taught us that only those who are without sin can judge others by throwing the first stone. And since no one is without sin, no stones get thrown. When confronted by the religious leaders because he and his followers broke their rules, Jesus taught us that people are more important than the religious rules that we make up. It has always been and it will always be critically important that those who are followers of Jesus not only believe the right things, but also behave the right way. Otherwise, we make a mockery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Consistency is important. Secondly, community is important. In our scripture today, we are once again reminded of how incredibly significant fellowship, relationship, partnership is because it is the result of a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're reminded that through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross that we can enter into fellowship with God, into partnership with God, and also have, and have relationship with the Father. But we're also reminded that fellowship with the Father through Jesus results in fellowship with each other, that one flows from the other. And so I believe that more than ever, we need to intentionally pursue fellowship within our church community because everything that's happening around us right now, the reality of our world, really is a threat to fellowship and true community. And if we're not intentional about making it a priority, about pursuing it, then we will lose something very easily that really matters a great deal. As followers of Jesus, we must be careful that we do not fall into the trap of convenience when it comes to community. Last week, I had the great opportunity of doing something I haven't had a chance to do in a very long time, and that was just be outside and, and have some conversations with, with some of you. And, and as I was speaking with, with, with someone who attended the service, you know, like many others that I had talked to, they were so happy that they were able to be here together again with other members of the church community. It meant so much to them to be able to worship together, to experience God's presence together, and to see each other and, and be together. They appreciated how much they enjoyed watching via live streaming, but they expressed how detrimental it would be to the church community if if everyone just stayed home to watch instead of meeting together because it was more convenient. And I thought that was a really good point because it's a concern that I have had for a very long time in considering live streaming. I mean, I'm happy that we have live streaming and I, and I, I want us to do that. There are, there are seniors who are out there. There are people with disabilities. There are people with, who are struggling with illnesses and it keeps them from being here with us in person and be, being able to watch from home makes them feel connected and that is so important. There are people who are watching our service today that would never find themselves inside these doors. And that's very important. But if we're watching from home because it's more convenient, then I would suggest today that we've actually missed the point that we're the body of Christ. We've missed the point. 
We've missed the point that we're a community of faith. We've missed the point that we are called to do life together. Community has always been and will always be inconvenient. Community is inconvenient. It's inconvenient to take what you have and give it to somebody else. That's inconvenient. It's inconvenient to give generously when you're sacrificing your own wants. That's inconvenient. It's inconvenient to be present in people's lives. It's inconvenient to walk with people through their deep pain. It's inconvenient to make time for others when we are so incredibly busy ourselves. It's inconvenient. It's inconvenient to serve. Folks, community is inconvenient. It always has been. It always will be. But if we pursue Christ-centered community because our relationship demands it, demands that a relationship with others, with his body, we can't have a relationship with Jesus unless we have a relationship with his body because it's as a body we carry out his mission. It's how he designed it to be. So all the people who say, I don't need to go to church to be a follower of Jesus. Yes, you do. If you can, if you're in a place where you can connect with others and do life together and pursue the mission together, of course it is. It is central to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in a world that more than ever celebrates convenience, we need to intentionally pursue Christ-centered community as inconvenient as it is. And of course, starting next week, it'll be a lot less inconvenient to do that because more of us can come. Thirdly, confession is important. We're going to have moments in our lives when we sin, when we make wrong choices. We're going to have moments when we respond inappropriately. We're going to have moments when we're going to choose the wrong things. We're going to have moments where we're going to neglect to do what Jesus is asking us to do. And if we think that's not true, then in addition to having a sin problem, I would suggest we also have a self-awareness problem. Because all of us will have moments where we sin. We will. And in our scripture today, we are reminded that we will sin, and when we do, we have an advocate who intercedes to the Father on our behalf. He's not there making excuses for us. He's not there trying to get us out of being accountable or, or getting off the hook for the, you know, the consequences of what we did. He's taking our sincere confession of wrong before the Father and advocating on our behalf based on the work that he accomplished on the cross. And if we are willing to confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us. And he's not just doing it once, but time and time and time again. Sincere confession is important. It's ongoing. It's a part of this life because the truth is we sin. But the truth is we can bring that sin to him. 
in conclusion this morning, just to remind us what we believe and how we behave must be consistent. Experiencing community is inconvenient. But our relationship with Jesus demands our relationship with one another as we do life together and carry out his mission together. We're going to have moments when we sin, when we do all the wrong things. But be reminded today that there is one who is forever and constantly interceding before the Father on your behalf, on behalf of your sin. Folks, when we experience the light of God in our lives, the darkness of sin is dispelled and we experience the hope of a relationship with Jesus that inevitably results in relationship with one another. Would you stand with us this morning as Tyler leads us? We'll conclude our service this morning with prayer after Tyler leads us this morning. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. And without you, I fall apart, you're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh, God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, is where you are. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. And where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. So teach my song to rise to you. When temptation comes my way, and when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. And when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. 
every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you, you're my one, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Heavenly Father.